So I have been preaching a series of sermons on the Antichrist, and, and I, uh, some of these have led to me getting comments on Facebook and on YouTube. <laughs> Boy, I've had people going after me on some of this stuff because <laughs> it's not very popular. And the reason why it's not very popular because it, the Bible definitely shows a link between the Antichrist and the LBGQT movement. There's no doubt about that. And, and the Bible definitely shows a link between the Antichrist and uh, the uh, Catholic Church. There's no doubt about that. And there's definitely a link between the Antichrist as being a great orator. He can really speak. And he's a great politician. Now, this, this sermon is going to show the Antichrist as the, the truth of, and we'll see in here that the Antichrist will be assassinated. The Antichrist will be assassinated. When he starts reigning, when the Antichrist takes over this world, as he comes in peaceably, because remember, as we've studied this uh, story of the Antichrist out of the Word of God, he comes in as a great orator. He's a great speaker, just kind of like Hitler. I mean, like he could, just, he could just get the masses to moving and following him. And he's going to be a great politician. He's going to have policies. He's going to be great, very prosperous in those policies. He's going to bring in peace. And somehow or another, he's going to bring in peace to Jerusalem and to the Israel and to the Middle East, which has never been done. Yet, and every president comes in wants to try to bring peace to the Middle East, and he fails. That's one of Obama's famous sayings when Obama was coming out of office. You know, he had eight years, and he goes, I got to accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish, but one thing, and that one thing was peace in the Middle East. He wasn't able to accomplish it. Now, Trump was getting close, Trump wasn't able to accomplish it. The, tr the truth is, is, there'll never be peace until Jesus Christ comes back. But the Antichrist will come in, he's going to bring in peace. And what he's going to do, and we know according to Scripture, there has to be another temple rebuilt. There's no temple right there for the Jew. There has to be a temple rebuilt, the third temple. That temple's got to be rebuilt. And I'll show you as we study through this this morning that that temple's got to be rebuilt because the Antichrist is going to use that temple. But inside of that peace agreement, inside of that rise of the Antichrist, when he comes into power, inside of that, there's people that definitely don't like him. We know that according to Daniel chapter 12. It's not like the, the Antichrist is definitely ruling the whole world, and he's got all these policies that rule the whole world through the government, through the, uh, through government, through the monetary system, the banking system, through the computers, through the mark of the beast. He's got all these things that are causing everybody to have to worship him. But the truth is, is there's a lot of people that don't like him. And he's going to get assassinated. And when he's assassinated, you're going to see this. And we'll, we'll look at this again. Let's just look at this together and then we'll go into it. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1. I stood, and this is John speaking, this revelation he found there in Revelation 13. is given to him by Christ. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now we know according to the word of God, Revelation 17 defines those heads as kings, those horns as kings, as mountains, and those crowns are, are, are rulers. And upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Verse 2, And the beast, that would be the top of the Antichrist, the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now, if you're curious about what chapters one, I mean, verses one and two are about, you can go through and there's some, I have, I've preached on this before and for time's sake, I can't go over it now, but I've described and, and get, well, gone into great detail on verses one and two. But verse three is where we want to move along to, verse three. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? 
Who is able to make war with him? Brother Wade, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? Thank you. Yes. Amen. Amen. So you see there in verse 3, go back up to verse 3, and I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. This Antichrist is going to take a great wound. And it's going to, look, it's going to be assassinated. Not, not just sticking right here, but look at, uh, skip down to verse 12. Verse 12, same chapter. And, he exercised, and we'll go over all this when we get to it. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship, end of verse 12, to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. Now skip down to verse 14. At the end of verse 14, it said, They should make an image to the beast which had the wound by sword, by sword, and did live. This Antichrist comes into power and he's ruling the world. Well, the world don't like him. What we can assume is going on here is that the Antichrist has built this temple. And when he gets this temple built, somehow, some way, he gets that temple built. And when he gets that temple built, there's going to be some people who don't like that temple there. Now, I can tell you who doesn't like that temple, would not want that temple to be rebuilt. It's the Muslims. That's where all the problems at, the Muslims over there. They hate the Jew. They hate anything to do with the Jews. They hate anything to do with Jesus Christ or Christianity. They just hate us, and they hate everything. It's all about Allah to them, Allah, the God. Well, if the Antichrist comes in and he helps the Jews out and he makes a peace agreement with the Jews and he is able to get the temple rebuilt, there's going to be somebody who doesn't like that. That's going to be the Muslims. So evidently, he gets the temple rebuilt and he goes into, the Antichrist goes into this temple. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So we're going to go back because we've studied this together, brothers and sisters, but let's go back and read it again. Now that we know this, let's go back and read this again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because this is another prophecy of the Antichrist. All this is prophecy of the Antichrist coming. So he, uh, the Antichrist is there. He, t- deadly, he takes a deadly wound by a sword. He takes a deadly wound by a sword. Somebody assassinates the Antichrist and he takes a deadly wound by a sword. So look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And look at verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, which we know as the rapture, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit or nor by word, nor by letter as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. Like he's already, the Christ has already came and gone. Let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means for that day, the second coming of Jesus Christ, shall not come except there come a falling away first. Do you believe that there's a falling away from Christianity? I do. <laughs> I really do. I see what's going on in the churches today, and I know some of the, because I grew up in some of the, with some of the old-time pastors 50, I mean 50, 50 years ago, the, these uh, 70, 80-year-old men, and they talk about what they believe, what the Bible taught, and these old men that have gone on to be with the Lord, I guarantee you they're rolling over the graves right now because seeing what's going on in the church, there's been a great falling away. And that man of sin be revealed The son of perdition. Okay, let me stop there. The son of perdition. There's only two people called the son of perdition in your Bible. Here, the Antichrist is called the son of perdition. The only other person called the son of perdition is Judas Iscariot. And he was called the son of perdition by Jesus Christ. That's interesting. Verse 4, who opposeth, look, this man is saying, the son of, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he 
is God. Now, there we go. So what that verse is telling us there in verse 4 is that the Antichrist, the son of perdition, man of sin, what he's going to do is he's going to want everybody to worship him as God. He's going to proclaim that he is God. And he's going to sit down into verse 4. He's going to sit in the temple of God. Now, there's no temple of God for him to do that right now. That temple's going to have to be rebuilt. That third temple must be rebuilt. Now, know this. Israel has all the things necessary to rebuild that temple. They went out to San Angelo and got the red heifers. They went all the way to San Angelo, Texas, found a red heifer that they think is pure enough to sacrifice. They've got everything ready. They've got all the utensils that God requires. They've got everything ready. Why haven't they done it? Because they can't get up on that temple mount because the Muslims are running that. They, they, in the Six-Day War, they got that temple mount back, but the United Nations came in and they made them... Give it back. They said, "No, you can't have you can't have that part." So it's been. That's why there's been all this fighting all these years. So the Antichrist is going to come in somehow, some way. He's going to be able to get a piece of that Temple Mount back. And according to what Scripture says, that's just nothing but a tent, a tabernacle. This temple it can be rebuilt in 24 hours. That temple could be dropped, propped up. It could be ready to go. So the Antichrist gets that going, and he goes into that temple, and he sits. See that God sitteth. He as God sitteth. In the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So somehow, some way, he gets a temple rebuilt. The Antichrist comes in there, and he sits in there. Everybody's like, oh, look, he's got, he's got our temple to God rebuilt. Oh, it's our temple to God. And the Antichrist comes in there, and he goes, no, you don't understand. I'm God. That's me. Worship me. And the Jew's like, whoa. We thought you were helping us. No, you don't understand. You built this temple for me. This temple is mine. I'm God. And it says he's sitting. Now, notice it says he's sitting there. Now, turn to keep your hand here, but turn to Matthew 24, because this is amazing. Look, turn to the left to Matthew chapter 24. Now, Matthew 24 is the famous chapter of the Bible where Jesus Christ talks about the end times, talks about the Antichrist, talks about what's going to happen. But in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, turn there. Matthew 24, verse 15. Matthew 24, verse 15, and this is amazing. So, we know through our study of the Antichrist that it's called, there's something that's going to be set up in that temple called the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation. There's something that he sets up in that temple that makes that temple desolate. That God doesn't want to be there. It's an abomination. In other words, it's something that God doesn't like. Something that God com completely hates. He sets it up. And we, we believe to be that, it will be that, that image. But notice in Matthew 24, verse 15. Here's what Jesus Christ said about those times. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Ooh, in the temple. The holy place is the temple. Whoso readeth, let him understand, that let them which be in the Judea flee into the mountains. Jesus Christ says, when you see that abomina abomination of desolation stand, you better run. He says, you better run, then let them which be in Judea, the Jews, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Talking about the Jews and the tribulation saints. He says there that 
there's going to come a time where something's going to be set up in that temple, the holy place. And when that thing is set up in there, Paul says he's sitting. Jesus Christ says when you see him stand, when he standeth, when that abomination of desolation standeth, he goes, you better run. You better run for the hill. Great tribulation. So this is why we preach and teach, and this is why so many scholars and preachers teach this, that the first three and a half years of the tribulation period is peaceable. They'll think it come, he comes in peaceably, he builds a temple, everything's going great, and then halfway through that tribulation period, something happens, and that something is he gets assassinated. He builds that temple, and it says there it's by a sword, right? You remember reading that in Revelation chapter 13? It's by a sword. So evidently they're having, and this is what I picture it, they're, they're, they get the temple rebuilt, they're having a ceremony, everything's going great, everything's, they got the guard up there, and they're in ceremonial gear, and they got the ceremonial swords, and one of the Muslims up there, he's up there, and he has a chance, and the Antichrist is walking by, and he's waving everything, and that, that guy just pulls out his sword and whack, takes a whack at him. And he takes a deadly wound right there. When he takes that deadly wound... It appears as if he dies. And so they set him in that temple. He's right there. He's either in the temple when that, he gets assassinated. He's right there at the temple. They set him in that temple. And as he's sitting in that temple, lo and behold, he stands up. And that's when the devil incarnates the Antichrist. Just like Jesus Christ is God incarnate, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. The Antichrist at that time after his assassination, when he stands up, when he stands up, that's the devil takes control of his flesh. And he says, I'm God, worship me. That's what you're reading back in 2 Thessalonians. I'm God, worship me. And that's when Jesus Christ says, when you see him stand, you better run. You better run for the hills because he's standing. This is amazing stuff. Turn back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 if you're still following with me. Turn it back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you're still following with me. Now notice what we got going on here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, so verse 4, Who opposes himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what we just talked about. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. Who will be revealed? The Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he... He, that's the son of man, the man of, I mean the man of sin, the son of perdition, only he who now letteth, letteth will let. Letteth is an old English word for hinder. You say, we don't use that word anymore. Yeah, we do every day. We just don't use it. Tennis players use it. When, the, when you're hit, playing tennis and you hit that tennis ball and it hits that net, the tennis player is supposed to say, if they see that tennis ball hit that net, he's supposed to say, let. That means it's been hindered. The ball's been hindered by the net. So he's saying, only he who now letteth will let, who hinders, hinders. That's the man of sin, until he, the man of sin, the son of perdition, be taken out of the way. Then look at verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed. That wicked, capital W. So the son of man, the, uh, the, I mean the son of perdition, the man of sin, he's, uh, the Antichrist is walking around, he's getting the temple rebuilt, he's a great politician, great orator, he's doing all these wonderful things. He's, man, he's controlling the whole world, and then whack, somebody gets him with the sword. I believe it'll probably be a Muslim. Doesn't appreciate him building that temple on that mount. Why? Because the Muslim, the, Muhammad has his dome of the rock up there where he ascended up into heaven off that rock. That's what that, when you look at Jerusalem, you see that big old golden dome. That's the dome of the rock. 
When you see the pictures of Jerusalem, you see it, that's on the Temple Mount. That's right there. That's the Dome of the Rock. And over to, the, over to that other side of that is where they could build that temple. And that's what we're waiting on for them to start trying to build that temple. He gets assassinated. And when he gets assassinated, then that wicked is revealed. Look, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's Revelation 19 when Jesus Christ comes back on that white horse. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. See, the, the, what people forget is the Antichrist and his false prophet are going to have all signs and light. They're going to do all these miracles, do, bring fire down from heaven. They're going to do all these things that nobody's ever seen done before. And it's going to be lying wonders. Even though, for, even I think, believe until the point, I believe into the point where he resurrects the Antichrist. But look at verse 10. Very interesting verse. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. What's the love of the truth? Jesus Christ. They don't, want to, they don't want Jesus Christ. They don't want to be saved. So what does God do? Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They're believing some lie. There's a lie they believe. Now that lie might be that the Antichrist was resurrected. He might have never died. It might have appeared that he died and maybe he never died. But whatever that lie is, God, they're going to believe it. Why? That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God's after them. See, after the rapture, during the tribulation period when the Antichrist rises up, that's a scary moment because that's when God's after mankind. He's after man. He says, I'm going I'm to make sure I'm going to pour my wrath out on you because of the way you've been acting. I'm going to pour my wrath out on you and I'm going to use the Antichrist to get done what I want done and then I'm going to bring back Jesus Christ to rule and reign. That's the peace that we talk about. That's, that's who we want rule in this whole world is Jesus Christ. So this has been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for this to take place. Turn to Zechariah. I'll show it to you. If you're in the book of Matthew, I don't know if you're still there, but if you go turn to the book of Matthew, turn to the left, you'll see Malachi, and then you'll find Zechariah. Turn to Zechariah chapter 11, the very end of Zechariah chapter 11. This has been prophesied for years and years and years that the Antichrist is going to get assassinated. Zechariah chapter 11. Verses 16, 17, and, uh, 15, 16, 17, but Zechariah eleven seventeen. Here it is. Here's the prophecy. Now, this was, this was prophesied 2,500 years ago. This prophecy was written by, by a man through the Holy Spirit 2,500 years ago, 500 years before Christ was born. Verse 15, Zechariah eleven fifteen. 15, And the Lord said unto me, Take unto thee ye that yet the instruments of a foolish shepherd, Lo, I will raise up a shepherd in the land. Shepherd would be a religious leader. Which shall not visit those that be cut off. Neither shall seek the young one. Nor heal that, is, that that is broken. Nor feed that that standeth still. But he shall eat the flesh of the fat. And tear their claws in pieces. Very interesting. Verse 17. Woe. Woe to the idle shepherd that leaveth the flock. The sword. The sword. The sword shall be upon his arm. And upon his right eye. His arm shall be clean, dried up, and his right eye shall be utterly darkened. So verse 17 is a direct prophecy of an idle shepherd getting it by a sword in his right arm and his right eye. So just reading that verse, you can see that that verse is describing that the sword is being brought down and it gets his right arm and gets his right eye. It's like he's, he's dodging it and he gets it right here and it gets him all right there. The sword shall be upon his arm, upon his right eye. Verse 17 says, Woe unto the idle shepherd. 
Idol. It's not I-D-L-E. It's I-D-O-L. You see that? Idol. That's an idol. That's a worshiping image. It's an image that men or women worship. That's a shepherd. That's a religious leader that's worshiped, which is, we know, to be the Antichrist. He's a religious leader that will be worshiped. Woe to the idol, the idol shepherd, not I-D-L-E. Now, NIV will say that's a worthless shepherd, but that's not a good translation because the idol is not I-D-L-E. It's I-D-O-L. It's an it's a image that's being worshiped. That leaveth the flock. The sword, remember from Revelation 13, the sword shall be upon his arm. His arm shall be clean, dried up. You remember when Bob Dole was running for president? You remember Bob Dole? You remember what he had? He had a withered up right arm. Remember that? And he always carried a pen like this. He always carried a pen in his hand. He always carried a pen in his hand. So when he carried that pen in his hand, that way nobody would try to shake his right hand. That's what he said. Because he couldn't move his right arm, so he'd always reach out with his hand, left hand. And, oh, man, when Bob Dole was running, that Senator Bob Dole was running for president, and he had that withered up right arm. <laughs> Ooh, he's the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. It's the Antichrist. Come back. And, of course, he's not the Antichrist. But people, why? Because people know this verse. And then if you know anything about history, when in the Six-Day War, when Israel was fighting against, and it was an amazing miracle that they won that battle, the Six-Day War, all the Muslim countries come down against Israel. Their military leader was a, name, was a guy by the name of Moshe Dayan. Now, Moshe Dayan was a guy, guess what? He had a, he had a patch over his eye. He's bald-headed like me, and he had a patch. You can go, image, go and Google and image you up. Oh, boy, it's, oh, he's the Antichrist. He's the Antichrist. Here's the problem. He had a patch over his left eye. And what does your Bible say? Right eye. Right? That's why, you know, what the, you know what the Satanists do today? You'll see this in all Satanist movements. They'll do this right here. They'll cover up the right eye. You'll see it. The one eye. The one eye of Satan. The one the, they'll call it the eye of Satan. And they'll cover up the right eye. See that? It's so strong in our society that if you, if you open up a $1, get your $1 bill and turn it over on the other side, look at the back of a $1 bill, you got that all-seeing eye of Satan there on top of that pyramid trying to take the place of Christ. He's got his right eye covered up. Just that one eye. Watch out for that. Watch for that. That one eye. So there's a prophecy that you're seeing there. There's a, going to be the Antichrist. He's going to rise up. But here's, here's something interesting. Knowing all this, turn to Jeremiah real quick. I'll show you something very interesting in your Bible. Jeremiah 48. Because y'all know that I believe, I believe the Antichrist is, uh, is going to be Judas reincarnated. Somehow or another, Judas is associated with the Antichrist. And I don't know if it's the spirit of Judah, Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's him. Or if it's, if it's actually him physically come back, what it is. Because the Bible says Judas went to his own place. When he, when he died, the Bible says Judas went to his own place. And that Judas is the son of perdition. And Jesus Christ went so far as to call Judas a devil. In John chapter 6, he called Judas a devil. He said he's the son of perdition. Now look at Jeremiah 48 verse 24. Look at this, guys. Jeremiah, 28 verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 48 verses 24 and 25. And upon Kiroth, and upon Basra and upon all the cities of the land of Moab, Moab far and near. Now, Kiriath, verse 24, upon Kiriath, that's Judas, his homeland. See, when you say Judas Iscariot, Iscariot is the, way you, the Greek way of saying Kiriath in Hebrew. 
So when you say Judas Iscariot, you're saying Judas of Cariot, Judas of Carioth, which is what you're reading right there. Notice this, though. Verse 25. The horn of Moab. Moab is where Carioth is at. Carioth is in the land of Moab. And the horn of Moab is cut off, and his arm is broken, saith the Lord. That's another reason why I believe the Antichrist might be, is associated with Judas, and Judas is associated with the Antichrist. So when the Antichrist takes that wound by the sword, and it looks like he's dead, and when he's in that temple and he resurrects, that's when we would call all hell will break loose on earth. And Jesus Christ said there'll be great tribulation like the world's never seen before. And the Antichrist, when he comes up from that resurrection, that assassination, the whole world's going to run. Look at Isaiah 14. I'll show you one more verse. Guys, I know I'm wearing you out. Isaiah 14. I know I'm wearing you out, but this, I'm trying to show you this, this, Bible, this Bible I have in my hand right here is amazing. You have it in your hand. This, this Bible I'm reading from is an amazing book. It's amazing, and when you study it out, it shows you what's, what's coming. Look at Isaiah 14, 29. Now, if you know your Bible, and you know uh, Revelation chapter 12, you know that Satan... It's called the old serpent, because he was a serpent in the Garden of Eden. He's called the old serpent. He's called the dragon, Revelation 12. He's called the serpent. He's called the dragon. Now look at Isaiah 14, 29. Look at this prophecy. Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina. That's where Israel is located at. Because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. See, the Antichrist has been assassinated. He's been killed. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, another, another snake. And his fruit, look, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. What's a fiery flying serpent? That's a dragon. So what that's saying to you in Isaiah 14, 29, is what it's saying to you is that when Jesus, when, uh, excuse me, when the Antichrist is assassinated, when he takes that deadly wound to the head, and, it, and the Bible says there it's to his right eye, to his right arm, and his arm withers up. When he takes that wound and he falls down and it appears he's dead, and maybe he is dead, and when he right, resurrects, he said, you thought you got rid, he says right there, you thought you got rid of, you broke that rod, the rod of him that smote thee is broken, you thought you're really happy, he says, rejoice not, for out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice and it'll be like a fiery flying serpent so he'll rise up like Jesus Christ says when he's sitting there sitting but when he stands you better run for the hills that's the devil incarnating the antichrist and when the devil incarnates the antichrist that's when he says I'm going after you I'm gonna kill everybody you worship me or you die all of that stuff, that's when the mark of the beast comes in. All of that stuff is right there. That's when they say, you've got to make an image. You've got to start worshiping the Antichrist. You must do this. Why am I preaching all this about the Antichrist? Why am I preaching all this? I'm preaching all this, number one, to show you that the Bible is an amazing book. It's amazing. I mean, you, it just, it's never ending. It's always, there's always some prophecy going on. And I'm showing you, number two, that if you look at the way the world's turning, we're going to a one-world government. We got WHO, the World Organization, telling us what to do and what to do, not to do about COVID. We got the whole world turned into one banking system where if you don't have a debit card or a credit card, you can't hardly survive in the world we're at today. 
So you got you, you, the world is getting set up in 2022 to where one man can come in and one man can come in. And if it's the right man with the right authority, he can come in and he can control all the banking system. He can control all the food. He can control government. Everything the Bible prophesied is coming true before our very eyes. To the point to where the Bible says that this, this man is going to make everybody take a mark in the right hand or in their forehead. And you can't buy or sell unless you have that mark. Now, a hundred years ago, they said that's impossible. There's no way one man can control what everybody's buying and selling. But we're living in a time where they're saying if you don't have the vaccine, and if you don't get the vaccine, you can't buy or sell. Now, we're not, luckily, we're living in America where we have freedom, but how long is that going to last? But they're also saying, now we're going to see, we got to make sure you have that vaccine. So how we're going to do it, we're going to put a little chip in your hand to where we can take that chip and we can scan it and we can find out, oh, yeah, they do have the vaccine. or no, they don't have the vaccine. And here we go, guys. It's all like the Bible said could happen. I'm not saying the vaccine is Mark the Antichrist. I'm not saying none of that. I'm just saying if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you should be able to look around you and say, you know, the Bible said that this stuff was coming. And now I'm looking at it, and it looks eerily, eerily, just like what this Bible said was going to take place in the end times. What does that say to you? What that says to you, my friend, is if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know him. Because this Bible has not been proven wrong yet. And they, for 2,000 years, have been trying to throw this Bible in the trash. And it hasn't, been, hasn't made it in there yet. This Bible is an amazing book. And this Bible says, if you'll believe on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll get saved. That's all you need. He that believeth on me is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believing in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's all about putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm preaching all this to show you. I'm preaching this for the Christians to say, hey, you've got an amazing book. Hang in there. Keep studying it. It's showing you what's going to happen to the Antichrist. It's pretty interesting stuff. But number two, I'm preaching this because I want you to know you need Jesus Christ and you need him more than ever. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I feel sorry for you because Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. And as, these, as this world gets darker and darker and more wicked and more wicked, the light of Jesus Christ shines brighter than brighter. We're talking about a Savior that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. He's the only way. And that's why I preach Jesus Christ as the only way because he said he's the only way. You need him. You need him. So whenever he comes to get his children, which is, I believe I'm one of his children. When he comes to get, get his children, he'll call us out, rapture us out of here. We don't have to deal with all this stuff because the church will be raptured out. The church will be gone as the world turns and starts, turns to the devil and the devil takes over. It'll be a bad time. And if you know Jesus Christ, you won't be living in it. You'll be up in heaven. We'll be up rejoicing, getting ready to come back in Revelation 19 to get back what belongs to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which is this whole world belongs to him. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I just thank you. And I pray, Father, if there's somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, can't think of a time that they've received him. Lord, if they were to die tonight, Lord, they'd say, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or where I would go. Pastor, I pray, Father, that they would walk down the aisle, Lord, we can open up a Bible and show them what your word says that they need, Lord God, which is pretty simple, Lord God, that you say if they just believe, 
in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, knowing He died for their sins, Lord, and they're willing to pray to You, Lord, and ask You to save them, Lord, that You'll save them. Lord, it's just that simple. They don't need to be in a church or be baptized or do anything, Lord. All they need is just to believe in Jesus Christ, Lord. And it sounds so simple, Lord, just to, the way You put it, Lord, they just believe. But, Lord, I know from witnessing to people and talking to people and trying to lead people to You, Lord, I know it's not so easy to believe. People find every other reason not to, not to believe You, Lord. They find every reason not to believe. But, Lord, I thank you for making it so simple, salvation so simple that a little child can be saved. Lord, God, a, little, a young man be saved or an 80-year-old man. Lord, anybody, crippled, blind, deaf, maimed, Lord, that anybody can receive Jesus Christ. Lord, and I thank you for that. And I thank you for the simplicity of the gospel, Lord. And I pray, Father, a blessing on these people who came out this morning, Lord God, when it's so cold. I pray you write them in your book of remembrance. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's have an invitation. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and He's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that He'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ 
because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.